Hello and welcome back to the Mighty Marvel Team Up Podcast. This is episode two in which we will do a review of Marvel Team Up number one. So uh, we are getting started with um, kind of the the heart of this podcast. And so I thought I'd go ahead and tell you that um, I think I'm going to try to follow a, a, a certain format with this. I thought I'd do like kind of an intro you know, introducing the issue very briefly, and then just do a quick summary of it, and then a review slash thoughts um, about the issue, and then at the end, I thought I'd wrap up with just a little bit of comic trivia. So, let's go ahead and get started with this format. So, this is Marvel Team-Up number one. It was, uh, it's Spider-Man and the Human Torch, and on the cover, you have uh, Spidey and the Human Torch fighting the Sandman. And in a little circle blurb on the front, it says, All new, two of Marvel's mightiest in one mind-staggering mag. And now, the Sandman. And then when you turn the page, and and just to let you know, um, I will do some of these issues based off of like the the old school hard copies that I have. um, The actual issues themselves. Uh, But for a lot of these, I'm doing it from the uh, Marvel Unlimited app because it was just kind of pricey to go back and buy some of these really early issues of the magazine. So, all right, here in the beginning, you have kind of a splash page, and it says, Have Yourself a Sandman Little Christmas. And it's uh, the Human Torch and and Spotty kind of duking it out. Um, Spotty's sitting in the middle of a, a big web, and the Human Torch is throwing flame at him. And then you turn the page and you start the story. And the story starts off with um, kind of a beach scene, uh, but it is the day before Christmas. And so Peter Parker's on assignment for the Daily Bugle and he is reporting on um, the Polar Bear Club. And so he is, you know, freezing to death on the beach while he's watching all these uh, people jump into the ocean as part of the Polar Bear Club. And then one of the swimmers notices that there is something uh, coming out of the sand and there you get your intro to the Sandman for this issue and the Sandman worms his way up onto the beach and then he kind of forms into a uh, a sand column and then he solidifies into his his human self and he's wearing his old school green uh, suit that he wore sometimes not the you know, like the green striped shirt, the brown pants that he is usually shown in. There was a brief amount of time where he was in this uh, kind of green uniform. And so um, the police run up to tackle Sandman, and that doesn't go very well. They try to arrest him, and the handcuffs literally just go straight through his wrist. And then uh, the, the cops start trying to, to take him down. They're tackling him. Uh, or at least they're trying their best, and, you know, they're passing right through him. Meanwhile, Spider-Man, or Peter Parker, has slipped away, and he is turning into Spider-Man. And so he swings back in, uh, and just in time to see that Sandman is tossing the, the police officer police officers around, and so he swings in to save the day, and he, uh, he attacks Sandman from the back, and they kind of uh, go back and forth with some battle. And, you know, Spider-Man is not really doing too much against him. He, uh, he, he tries the old web trick and, you know, Sandman just goes right through it. And then he just kind of disappears. And Spider-Man uh, is 
is swinging away and the cops say, hold it, pal. We want to talk to you. And Spider-Man is saying, sorry, boys, I've got a date. And basically, he is on his way to date uh, for a date with Gwen. Um, and so, of course, this is, uh, you know, pre-death of Gwen Stacy. So he's on his way to see Gwen. But before he goes on his date, he wants to let someone know that Sandman is out there on the loose. And so he stops by the Baxter building to let the Fantastic Four know that he is uh, out there on the loose because they have a history with Sandman as well. And so as he's crawling up the Baxter building, he is almost hit by some like rings of fire coming out of the window. And when he, you know, uh, when he comes back to the Baxter building and he climbs in the window, he sees Johnny Storm. And Johnny Storm is is in quite the bad mood because uh, the rest of the Fantastic Four are gone. They're kind of on their, their Christmas vacation. And he is, um, he's missing Crystal right now. And so Spider-Man says, hey, you know, basically I'm just here to tell you the Sandman's back in town. And Johnny Storm says, the Sandman, what are you doing here? Why aren't you... Whoa, fella, he's not my responsibility. I just dropped in to clue you in and let you take it from there. And so as they are kind of shooting the breeze there for a second, um, Johnny Storm mentions that uh, it was on the George Washington Bridge that he fought Sandman. And Spider-Man recognizes that as a place that he has fought Sandman. And so together they're like, okay, that's probably the area where he is, so let's go check it out. So they hop into the old Fantastic car because the rest of the FF have uh, the newer version with them. And they go out hunting the Sandman. And so they're doing a patrol. It's a lot of aerial shots. Uh, They're just kind of cruising around on Christmas Eve together looking for the Sandman. Not really having much luck finding him. Uh, But they do run into a mugging. And Spider-Man decides to, um, you know, break up the mugging and, and protect. And um, so the Human Torch, like, fires some flame to, to light up the situation to make sure it is what they think it is. And since it is a mugging, Spider-Man swings down and, and takes care of the, the muggers. And kind of in the spirit of Christmas, he says, um, well, the mugger says, G- give us a break, man. Uh, we didn't hurt the broad or nothing. Yeah, sure. We'll give you a peace prize. Still, that's for the lady to decide what it will be, gorgeous. And uh, the lady says, well, they didn't get away with anything, and it is Christmas Eve. Maybe if they could just be held for a little while. And so Spotty kind of webs them up, and they say their goodbyes, and they swing off. And so they're still flying and looking around, and now it's uh, the Human Torch's turn to kind of go into action. And so he sees, like, uh, you know, because it's Christmas and and there's bad weather and snow and ice and everything, they see what looks like a cement truck that's out of control, slipping on the ice. And that's, you know, uh, the Torch decides to intervene here, and so he dives out of the fantastic car, dives down, and, uh, you know, melts the ice so the the truck can hit its brakes and and get some traction and stop just shy of hitting a car. And so they kind of saved a day there. Um, And they're about to call it a night. They're done. You know, they've each done a good deed. They've patrolled on Christmas Eve. 
Johnny's in a bad mood because he's meeting Crystal. Uh, Spider-Man is wanting to get back to, to Gwen Stacy to go on their date. And so they're, they're calling it quits. But just as they do, uh, they see Sandman. And they, they park the fantastic car, and that's when they uh, confront Sandman. And he kind of he kind of beats them both, really. Uh, he grabs Spider-Man by the ankle and swings him into a wall and smashes uh, Spider-Man pretty good. Um, and then the Human Torch comes down, and he doesn't. The Human Torch doesn't really fare much better. Um, Sandman kind of turns into a sandstorm and puts him out, and then um, they both kind of regroup. And uh, Spider-Man and the Torch try to tackle. Sandman all at one time, but he has outtricked them, and he has basically uh, turned himself into kind of like a flat image of himself right in front of a wall. That way they both kind of, when they try to tackle him, they they end up running straight into the wall itself. Um, and when they come to, it, they, they do it so hard it, it knocks them out. When they come to, uh, Sandman has him tied up in an old school New York water tower. And uh, he says, Sandman is looking at him and says, because uh, you two crumb bums are about to go for a little moonlight swim, but you just keep your, your chin up, Torchy, and you'll be okay. Such an odd thing for uh, the Sandman to say. And he makes his escape. And uh, so... Spider-Man and the Torch are kind of tied up back to back and Spider-Man figures it out. He sees how they are tied up and he figures out that uh, Sandman was trying to clue them in that um, if Torch can kind of dry his face and and basically shoot uh, <laughs> a flame ball out of his mouth, uh, he could kind of fry the thing that ties him up and get him out of there and that's what happens so they go on the hunt again and they find him and they find him kind of sneaking into a house and they go down to confront him they swing in through the window that the sandman has just gone into and he says uh, the torch says heads up peach boy this is the shh don't talk so loud will you i'll come along peaceful like in a minute so that's what the sandman says to torch and um the situation is that the sandman always sees his mother on Christmas Eve. And so that's what he has done. He has, uh, he's gone to visit his mother and the torch and Spider-Man are discussing it outside and they're like, okay, you know, it's, it's Christmas, go in there and see her. And Spider-Man, even in the, you know, uh, even though he's wanting to give this to Gwen, he says, hold it fella, you can't go in without a present. And he gives the Sandman a present to give to her. And then Spider-Man kind of warns him and says, but if you're not out of that there soon, and Sandman reassures him. He says, no sweat, pal. Just give me five minutes, okay? And so, uh, you know, they're both kind of reflecting. Uh, Peter kind of reflects on Aunt May, and that's why he has decided to let Sandman go in there to visit his mom. The torch is reflecting on family with the Fantastic Four. That's why he has decided uh, to let the uh, Sandman go in there and, and visit his mom on Christmas Eve. And I think we can see where this is headed. They kind of hang out for a little while and then all of a sudden they're like, oh, wait a minute, what? 
you know, how long have we been here? What's going on? And they peek in there, and of course, Sandman's gone. He's made his escape, but the heroes aren't too uh, too worked up over it. And they peek in at his mom, the Sandman's mom, and she's kind of peacefully asleep with um, the the little pin that Spider-Man gave Sandman to give to her. Um, she's got that pin to her, and. The torch looks at the, the sink and sees that there's some sand going down the sink. And so they both understand that he, he got out of there. Um, but like I say, they don't seem to be too concerned. So in the next to last panel, uh, Spider-Man saying, don't tell me, I can guess. Oh, well, he gave us a break and on our Christmas Eve, we'll get him next time. And Torch says, yeah, next time. But tonight, just for tonight, I feel good. And he, uh, there's a great shot here at the end with um, the torch flying off into the night sky and he has kind of written a, a message in flame that says, peace on earth, goodwill to men. And Spider-Man swinging away saying, and that's what it's all about, right? And then the little kind of box at the end says, amen, brother, amen. And so there is your issue. That is a quick summary of it. And now let's talk a little bit about some of the uh, creators that, that worked on this issue and just my kind of thoughts on this. And so this is uh, number one. And the first thing I noticed is that this has the, um, the box that a lot of the comics in the early 70s had on the cover. Instead of the art taking up the entire cover, it would just take up like maybe the bottom three-fourths of the cover and the the title of the comic was a little more pronounced instead of just like a, a corner box a lot of times it would be uh, a hero on one side of it and a hero on the other side of it or like if it was a fantastic four sometimes it was like their faces kind of scattered around up top they started this trend in um I think most of the issues cover dated November of 1971. They started that trend of the boxes. I'm not really sure why it started, um, why they decided to change the art like that to go from a full page of art for a cover to that you know kind of boxed off section. I'm not sure. Um, I, to be honest, I always like the the full page, full cover art better than just the box. I felt like it was limiting. I do like how it how they always had kind of room to play around with the title and the font and like the heroes, you know, kind of framing the title. Um, but you know, I, I did like the, the full cover art better. Um, this issue was written by Roy Thomas with art by Ross Andrew. So first I'll talk about Roy Thomas. He was kind of Stanley's right hand man. Um, he was the second editor-in-chief of Marvel after Stan Lee and Roy Thomas introduced um, Conan into the comic books he brought that Robert E. Howard creation into the comics uh, he had long writing stints with the X-Men uh, with the Avengers from DC he worked on a title called All-Star Squadron which was a great title uh, he co-created characters like Wolverine and Vision the Defenders team, uh, not like the Netflix team, but the team that consisted of like Hulk and Doctor Strange. And he co-created Ghost Rider and, and several more. 
Um, and I can tell you from personal experience that he is a really nice guy. It's not like we're friends or anything. But I think I told you in the beginning of the podcast that uh, I'm a teacher by trade. And so when I was doing poetry, I wanted I ran across the poem Ozymandias. And, you know, it kind of triggered a memory that, <clears throat> you know, I thought I'd seen that in an issue of The Avengers. And when I looked it up, Roy Thomas had written that issue of The Avengers, and it was kind of like the Vision's first appearance, and the Vision turns on Ultron, and Ultron gets defeated. And by the end of the issue, the very last page is basically that poem kind of spaced out over that last page. Um, and it's a poem about like um, arrogance and hubris and, and things like that. And so um, it's a great poem, but used in the context of that issue, I thought that was such a such a, uh, a stroke of stroke of genius. You know, I just thought it was such a great way to use that poem and such a kind of highbrow poem to put into a comic book. So I reached out to Roy Thomas. Um, I sent him an email. I didn't really think I'd get a response, but sure enough, less than... 24 hours later, I had like this really long email from Roy Thomas uh, explaining his process for for using that poem, why he decided to use that poem, how he wanted to space it out over the panels. He just went into real in-depth with it, and he he was just such a nice guy. I've also met him at Heroes Con, and um, I talked to him about his Conan comics, because like I said, he had such a long run on, on Conan. But um, just a really nice, nice guy, and I really uh, appreciated meeting him. I got my picture made with him. Um, just a, a really nice guy. Um, the artist on this is Ross Andrew. And Ross Andrew was um, kind of a classic Spider-Man artist. I, I loved Ross Andrew's art. I feel like he is one of the more underappreciated artists. He came after uh, John Romita Sr., in the 70s. Actually, this issue of Marvel Team-Up, uh, this first issue is his kind of um, beginnings of drawing the Spider-Man character. He had a long history at DC first, but um, this was his intro to drawing Spider-Man. And a couple years later, in 1973, he started like a five-year stint on Spider-Man. I think it started with about issue 125 and, and went through, I think, about 185. And in that time... He, um, he helped create the Punisher. He penciled the first large-scale crossover uh, between Marvel and DC with Superman versus Spider-Man. Uh, he created the Spider-Mobile. Um, you know, he, he was quite prolific. And like I say, I love his art. I think he's very underappreciated. Um, he kind of... He kind of melted John Romita's style with Steve Ditko style. So he had a little bit of the the poses of Steve Ditko with Spider-Man, but he still kept the, the John Romita, like very handsome and muscular Spider-Man and Peter Parker uh, type of character styles. Uh, and one thing I do know about him is that he was a meticulous researcher. Um, he worked with Lynn Wein. He worked with uh, Roy Thomas. He worked with uh, Conway on several issues of Spider-Man and when he uh, he knew that like a certain scene was coming up in a certain area of New York he would go and do 
his own photography to, to capture images. He would do sketches for sometimes hours at a time because he really wanted to uh, recreate New York uh, as true to life as possible. And like I say, you know, I, I love his art. Um, I cannot wait until some of his issues get reproduced, uh, reprinted in some epic collections. I would definitely get those. Uh, they're working their way through the John Romita Sr. issues right now. Uh, they've done the Steve Ditko stuff. And I hope to, to get to um, some Ross Andrew penciled issues of uh, Spider-Man pretty soon in those epic collections. Um, so that's a little bit about the creators. Um, Stan Lee was the editor. Uh, the inker was Mike Esposito, and he was actually a collaborator with Ross Andrew quite a bit. Uh, so he was the inker, and then Artie Simic was the letterer. Um, and as overall, for an for a issue of Spider-Man, for an issue of Marvel Team-Up, I really enjoyed this. It definitely fit that. It became a pattern, you know. The way this issue is set up became a pattern. Spider-Man, Peter Parker, you know, you see them in the beginning, encounters a bad guy, and in some way, shape, or form, he encounters another hero to do a little bit of team-up action with, and then they go after the bad guy together. Uh, they would shake up that, that format a little bit, but, you know, for the most part, it's a format that worked. I mean... It is Marvel Team-Up. It is a Spider-Man book. There's only so many ways you can get the heroes together. Uh, and so a lot of the issues would follow that format. But to me, it was a good format. I, I thought it worked. I liked the issue a lot. I liked Ross Andrews' art. I loved Roy Thomas's writing in it. Um, I loved that it was a Christmas issue. I'm a big sucker for the Christmas issue. You know, the way they kind of... Um, the way they kind of went on patrol uh on christmas eve that that reminded me of several uh comic issues uh through the years christmas issues where the heroes try to give um the the citizens of their city uh, a crime-free christmas it reminds me in particular of an old issue of superman from the 90s called i think it was uh, metropolis mailbag and it's got a great cover i think it was written by uh let's see if i can remember i think that was written by dan jurgens um, and so Superman decides to give uh, the citizens of Metropolis everything they they want on Christmas, you know. And so he reads through the mail and and uh, goes on patrol that night and and tries to make uh, people happy that night. And I feel like this was this was kind of like that, you know. Spider-Man stops a mugging. Uh, the torch stops a, a truck from spiraling out of control. Um, and that's not even really, you know, the main conflict of the story. The main conflict, of course, involves Sandman. But that was kind of just like on the way to deal with Sandman. And I got to admit, I, I, like the, um, I like the banter between the Torch and Spider-Man. It's always fun to see those two characters go uh, team up and, and, you know, have this kind of banter back and forth where they, they respect each other, they like each other, but, you know, you wouldn't know it from the way they have their conversations um it's very kind of classic and i think uh, marvel team up started out to be not just a spider-man spinoff book but it was going to be a human torch spinoff book but i think they quickly saw that you know just those two heroes in every issue was going to be very limiting 
and so they, um, I think they expanded it after the first three issues. Torches in the second one, torches in the third one, and he appears throughout uh, the the entire run of the series, the whole hundred and fifty issues and the, and the several annuals. But you know, he the, he started guest starring, or I'm sorry, uh, they the comic started having other team up stars besides the torch with issue number four. But for these um, these first issues, it's him, and I, I like this. I like uh, the the interplay between Spotty and the Torch. I always have, um, but it's a fun Christmas issue. It's got some fun art, and I even like the the little the little thing at the end where they they allow Sandman to go in. You know, they don't fight him outside of his mom's house. Uh, they decide to let him go in. It's kind of and the you know Sandman even gives him an out. You know, he's not out to kill them. He is not out to uh, beat them senseless. He even gives them a way to escape their little confinement. He just wants time to go see his mom. And I feel like this is, even though this is a Bronze Age comic where, you know, people say the comics got a little bit darker, uh, a little bit more mature. Um, I don't know. This doesn't have the darkness that you might see in uh, more modern comics. You know, like I say, the same man gives them an out. And then once they find him, not only do they allow him to go in, Spotty gives him a gift. I mean, to give to his mom. And um, they don't even seem to be that upset that he's escaped. And so... And it's wrapped up with that that fun panel at the <clears throat> at the end. And I'd say that's probably my favorite my favorite panel. The the panel to ponder uh, for this issue would be that last one where uh, Torch is written "Peace on Earth, Goodwill Toward Men" or two men, and Spotty is swinging away. And um, I think it's a good issue to start with. Uh, it's got like a little bit of little bit of heartfelt emotion here with uh, the torch thinking of his family and, and Peter thinking of his dear old Aunt May. Um, so overall, is a fun issue. It was a good issue. It wasn't some groundbreaking storyline that would change comics forever um, or anything like that, but it was fun. And I think that's why I love Bronze Age comics is because they were just fun. I know there was more mature themes uh, in a lot of them, but I would still say overall the, the Bronze Age was a, just a kind of a fun age uh, of comics. And so I'll wrap up this podcast with a little bit of comic trivia. So I told you this issue was written by Roy Thomas. So the comic trivia today deals with Roy Thomas. Uh, Roy Thomas, not only did he bring Conan the Barbarian into the comics and, and do extended writing stints of the X-Men and Avengers and create, you know, the Vision and, and Ghost Rider and all these major characters. He did something that uh, probably actually saved Marvel Comics. Marvel Comics was in pretty rough shape in the late 70s and Roy Thomas uh, decided to bring in a new property into Marvel Comics and it ended up basically saving Marvel. Uh, and that property was Star Wars. Uh, Roy Thomas was in on the ground level of, of Star Wars and of course we all know that that became such a huge hit and those issues I think he even wrote um, some of those issues 
of Star Wars, but he was responsible for bringing Star Wars into Marvel Comics. And I think Stan Lee wasn't, you know, too keen on the idea, really. Uh, but Roy Thomas kind of insisted. It's a good thing he did, because like I say, Marvel was <clears throat> in pretty rough shape at the time, financially. And uh, Star Wars was a big win for them in terms of sales. So there is your, your comic trivia for this one. Um, Roy Thomas kind of saved Marvel in the late 70s by bringing Star Wars uh, into Marvel Comics. So I uh, hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you did, uh, let me know. Give me a review. I'd appreciate it. Uh, you can send me an email if you got questions or comments. I'd love to hear from you. My email is Adam Piles, P-Y-L-E-S, Adam Piles 1 at Gmail. Reach out. I'd love to hear from you. Um, but other than that, I hope everybody has a good day, and I've enjoyed doing this. Thanks for listening. Bye.